Welcome to the Botcast Podcast. My name is Don. My name is Scott. And uh, today we're going to be aggressive and try and do two chapters, starting with 35 and possibly 36. And I'm only saying that because it's easier when I'm trying to edit these if I put where we're at at the beginning. Right. So that had nothing to do with you guys. That had everything to do with making his life easier. Yep. Hey, so... I'm getting better about organizing the way everything's set up when I edit. Uh-huh. Um, I finally put my hard drive on my network. So oh, nice. I did. All right, everybody, you make fun of me. I have a Mac. So, of course, it has like, it's a MacBook Air. So, not only is it low on ports, it's extremely low. It's got like two USB C and a headphone jack. And one of the USB C ports is for the power adapter. Mm-hmm. So, I have a dock thing that it plugs into um that also that dock has like my hdmi cable and it has like uh like three or four usb ports on it like all this stuff so i I always had the hard drive plugged into there and then when i would go to like like my wife and i like we reconcile our schedules or our budget or something together i'd unplug that and then i go take the laptop and then i open the laptop and be like you unplugged your hard drive wrong you're gonna destroy it you stupid jerk so I was like, I got to quit doing that. So finally, I set the hard drive on my network, and now I can just grab this stuff, and I never have to, like, unplug it again. So nice. it makes it easier for editing. Okay. Um, but, yeah, it's, yeah. We said they make fun of you. I, I guess it's for that geekiness. Um, but the Apple would be like, everyone's got an Apple. I, I feel like I'm the odd man out where I'm like, I don't know how to use an Apple, and I really don't want to learn. Well, so. Android. I, I'm very mu- yeah I'm very much in this system, and over was it Thanksgiving or Christmas they had the uh, you basically I could trade in my iPhone and get a Pixel Seven, yes. like basically free. Mm-hmm. And some days I regret not doing it. <laughs> um, the biggest thing with the Mac is that we do our editing in Logic, mm-hmm. and that's Apple only. Yeah, and. I don't want to learn. I mean, I could probably learn something. I, I did Reaper for a long time, um, which is both. But like Logic is like a hundred times easier than Reaper. And okay. it's got it's very cool and it it just flows great. And um, Reaper is doesn't have a team of developers and make it pretty. Uh-huh. So Reaper is great. It's free kind of. You you basically have a shareware and it says, hey, do you want to, do you want to pay for this? You're still evaluating, and you can just hit still evaluating mm-hmm. and go. Um, but Logic, my wife got me a copy for Christmas, and uh, but right. I was I was hacking a a trial for a while before <laughs> hacking some free trials, and uh, uh, I don't think I can change off of that. But would I ever go back to a Windows laptop or computer? Yeah. Okay. Just not. I just don't have the spare change to go do that. Got it. But on the other hand, I have an iPad. I have. Yeah, whatever. Yep. I have a computer. What is it? This one is a an Acer. Well, so our kids that have two of our kids have phones, and the parental controls on iPhone are stellar. They are not on Android. Yeah. And then for anybody that has an iPad, they're on our parent account. So that's stellar. Okay. You can actually just take, you can take it so they can't load a browser. Oh, wow. So it's kind of nice. Like they can't even have Safari or whatever unless you let them. Okay. So. Pantro controls on an Android are not amazing. I like my Android. I mean, I got a 6A, so he's got a 7. Um, 
we like our Androids. Um, yeah, but I can't afford an Apple. And, and I, I work, you know, I work in the, the school system too. So like if it gets stolen or broken, I, I don't really care did, that much. Did, did you see the new Motorola that came out? No. It's a dumpy phone. Uh-huh. Like spec wise. Yeah. But like if you are hard up, it's out of pocket $169. Oh, wow. And it's got a 90 hertz screen. Well, I've only just recently got a Pixel. I, I, was, I was using Motorola's prior to this because Motorola's have the most most android like the, yeah, le- the less added stuff on android what they next to like stock android or yeah yeah and so motorola still they put their own stuff on it so it wasn't as great as a, like a pure android still. which is what i what i like about my pixel is it's just pure android and it's just like here's but what you, it is you can go buy a motorola mm-hmm. and there's no carrier stuff on it oh yeah yeah that's what it, that's why a Pixel is better. That's why mm-hmm. an iPhone is better. That's why a Motorola is better. But if you get a Samsung, you might have non... Well, maybe they've changed. It's been years. But yeah. you still have like non-deletable apps. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I don't want that. Well, see, even with Motorola or any of those, they still put like enough of their own software on it that you don't get all the Android updates. So like when, uh, when Android releases something, I get it. And I get it right away. This... Motorola has to decide, do we want to put our software on there? Do we not? And LG, Samsung, all of them. And this is just pure Android. Just here it is. My wife had, long story short, she had two LG phones, both of them blue screened. Did you know phones blue screen? No, I did not. Yes. She had two LGs. They're successive years. One was really cool because it was really modular. Mm -hmm. Um, So you could put like little attachments on it. So like it had a removable battery. Oh, wow. Right. Oh, what are those things? It had on the back, you could take the plate off and take that battery out. And they had a little slot on the bottom where you could pull out and put another battery in. Wow. So you could kind of like double up. Yeah. I think it had like photo mods and speakers and Uh stuff we never bought, but it was, it was there. Like Mm -hmm. you could potentially do it. And then I had the Nexus, whatever the one LG made. Okay. Yeah. And six. Yeah. I was, uh, this is, so I'm, I run mm-hmm. and I was training, I was training for a, a, it was like a half marathon or something and I was doing intervals and basically the app lets you, you would run the interval and then you'd tap the phone, like it would be on an armband or whatever. Mm-hmm. You'd tap it to start the next interval. Yeah. And I went to tap it the one time I noticed it was rebooting itself. And I'd already run like half of these intervals. I saw like half to go. Yeah. And I didn't know what the interval time was because it would beep in my headphones to let me know when the interval was done. Yeah. So an interval is basically like you jog really light and then you run really hard for a set amount of time. Okay. And I I don't remember what the, it was something like the first interval was like 30 seconds. The second was like 40 seconds, you know, like, and it, the phone was just like rebooting. So like that morning, the phone ruined my workout and didn't keep track of anything. I was so mad. I came in the house and I was like, look at this stupid phone. It's just rebooting itself. And when I showed the phone, it like flung out of my hand and we had old plaster walls. It hit the walls. The first time I ever had a phone that's, that cracked down the glass. Oh, wow. And at that point, I was like, I'm never getting an LG again. That was like the end of it for me. I if like, I remember correctly, though, you had a lot of problem with it uh, with the Nexus Six, right? So no, it was a five. Oh, the five something. Okay. I had yeah, I ended up with like three of those. I was like, you went through a ton of those things, and that's when T Mobile, my carrier, was like, "Yeah, we're just gonna like get rid of that and give you your money back, and you go get something else because this phone's obviously a piece of junk." Okay. Because when you buy one, they'd send like for warranty, they send you like basically a refurb. Yeah. They don't send you a brand new one. Yeah. And they kept having like internet connectivity problems. Mm-hmm. I had one that wouldn't get past the like registration screen and like it was just Yep. 
I had one where the headphone jack was really weird. Like it, like if you put the headphones in a certain way, it would crackle really loud, like in your ear, but oh. not, not like a crackle, but like a computer noise. Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't like a, you know, when you get a bad pair of headphones, they'd yeah. like, kids, I used to have wires, and, no. <laughs> but it was, it was just, everything about it was this crap. And that was LG too. So oh, you're wow. right. Okay. That was the LG yeah. one. Yeah, so I swore them off. Yeah, I think that's. I haven't had an LG since the Nexuses. Sometimes I would kind of hope that God would smite them like He would Esau's relatives. Did that work? Is oh, that a good thing? Um, <laughs> maybe would, would they horrible. be known as Edom? Yeah. Um, yeah. When you said smite LG, I was like, well, they are going down as a company, I hear, or struggling. And oh, I see where you're going. Trying to make a Ezekiel 35 is addressing LG as an issue. And when you say LG, you mean Uh, uh, legendary guys. I I was thinking like, I was trying to think of some sort of like Old Testament lower G God. (laughs) I was like, this is bad. So we're on our walk and we're discussing, um, we'll just call it a church that has like a a secret church in it. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's a church where there's some people inside of the church operating like the first century church without the main church knowing. And I was trying to come up with a acronym for it that would spell ugly. <laughs> I was like, so the underground layman, and I needed like a Y word. <laughs> I, I think like, I said yo-yo. <laughs> yeah, yo- uh, YOLO. YOLO, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so yo-yo, YOLO. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now we're trying to come with LG. Right? Uh, lesser gods? Yeah, lesser yeah. gods. Oh. oh, yes. Israel was worshiping Bach- lesser gods. You have seen the peak of Bakesh. It's all downhill. There will not be a better episode than this. Um, we completed our mission. Yes. Um, so well, we didn't even get all, to the. All for fun. We didn't even get to 36 and 37. Man, Ezekiel. You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. But oh. I think we peaked. I think it's it. All right. So anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about those LG, those um, Israel and those lesser gods, which uh, they kind of passed this by. Well, no, because we're going to get that into 36, I guess. Someone's going to listen to this and hear that I'm adjusting the mic and be like, I thought he said he had logic. <laughs> um, when he said logic, he didn't mean the program. He means yeah, out of his smart. brain. I meant the rapper. God's right? original logic. He's locked up in my closet, um, singing Wu Tang songs. I didn't even know who's still alive. Logic? Yeah. How old is he? I think he has an album like every year. Oh, is he really? Oh. Yeah. Um, Bobby. No, sorry. Oh, okay. Logic. Not sure. Logic. I don't know. Wu Tang Forever. I guess it, well, he's like the unofficial Wu Tang member. Oh my gosh! Like kids these days. Ooh, yeah, I just said sorry. that out loud. Um, sorry. Like okay, so students. I'm a high school teacher, so students all the time. They're wearing all these like OG, all these old school type of shirts and stuff. And I ask them all the time, "Do you know who that is?" No. Do you know who that is? No. What like? And, and there's stuff that that for us would would be like. I think maybe one of them was Nirvana. Who's Nirvana? I don't know. I've seen a lot of Nirvana shirts in mm-hmm. that irony sort of way, and it drives me nuts. And they don't even know who. And and the thing is, is you're like, uh, what is it? Um, oh, what's that cartoon that that's pretty popular in shirts right now? I can't think of. They didn't know what that was. Um, I don't know. My kids go to private school. Yeah, they have to wear uniforms. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, it's the little babies and stuff like that and they walk around in diapers um yeah i don't know but they wear those things obviously i can't remember either 
Um, lots Rug, of Rugrats. Yes, Rugrats. Okay. Lots of musician shirts. Um, some of the old MTV TV shows, um, like Ren and Stimpy and stuff. And oh, gosh. I mean, they they have no clue what they're wearing because I asked them all the time. I was like, do you do you even know what that is? No, it's just a cool shirt. Uh, okay, just just checking. Um, lots of old bands that have you that, not heard the rhymes of the Method Man? <laughs> I was a huge Wu Tang fan right after high school. So. Okay, so you know them. All lyrics and everything. Yeah, and I can't say like any of them really on okay. here. Unless the music's playing, then all of a sudden you can do it. No, I'm saying like, like every other. Oh, line. got it. Okay, <laughs> we'd be an explicit podcast. Got it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. we were past that part of Ezekiel. Up from the thirty-six chamber towards <laughs> the thirty-six chapter. All right, <laughs> we're on thirty-five. Oh, sorry. you're a song ahead of us. Yeah. All right, so thirty-five. H O D man. Sorry. So really, just read the whole thing. Uh, yeah, fire in the hole. We'll, okay. We're we're gonna get through this. Let's do it. All right. <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to. So this is Ezekiel thirty-five, um, one through the end, which is fifteen, and um, from the ESV. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Mount Seir um, and prophesy against it and say to it, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against you, Mount Seir, and I will stretch out my hand against you and I will make you a desolation and a waste. I will lay your cities waste and you shall become a desolation and you shall know that I am the Lord because you cherished perpetual. I can never say that word. Anonymity. I, I can never say it, like, ever. I'm, like, afraid to say it out loud. No. Say, say it out loud. Enmity? 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 Enmity. I still feel like I'm mumbling through, like, enmity. Yeah, I can't say it. Because you cherished perpetual enmity <laughs> and gave over the people of enmity. Israel to the power of the sword at the time of their calamity, at the time of their final punishment. Therefore, as I live, declares the Lord God, I will prepare you for blood, and blood shall pursue you, because you did not hate bloodshed. Therefore, blood shall pursue you. I will make Mount Sinai a waste and a desolation and I will cut off from it all who come and go and I will fill its mountains with the slain um, on your hills and in your valleys and in your ravines those slain with the sword shall fall I will make you a perpetual desolation and your city shall be inhabited then you will know that I am the Lord because you said these two nations and these two countries shall be mine and we will take possession of them although the Lord was there therefore as I live declares the Lord God I will deal with you according to the anger and envy that you showed because of your hatred against them and I will make myself known among them when I judge you and you shall know that I am the Lord I have heard all the revilings that you uttered against the mountains of Israel saying they are laid desolate and they are given us to devour and you magnified yourselves against me with your mouth and multiplied your words against me i heard it thus says the lord god while the whole earth rejoices i will make you desolate as you rejected over the inheritance of the house of israel because it was desolate so i will deal with you you shall be desolate mount sire and all edom all of it then they will know that i am the lord I feel like that's uh like we've had a lot of the judgment chapters and I feel like that one's like definitely the uh, mic drop moment at the end there. Yeah, it is. Like that that saying that we've talked about, <clears throat> you know that I'm the Lord. That's like. I think he said that multiple times within 35. Like yeah, um, and we see some of the pride that we saw in some of the other countries we saw, uh, or among the other nations you saw. Oh well, Israel's gonna fall. Let's go ahead and take advantage of them, take their land. And God's like, "But that's my land. You can't do that." Um, and they're like, "But we're going to." And He's like, "But then desolation, desolation, desolation. You're all dead. Desolation. So you know I'm the Lord." <laughs> so uh, this uh, Mount Seir, 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 Seir. 
um, is talking about the land of Edom, E-D-O-M. Um, and we are also, when we get into 36, we're kind of uh, painting the picture of two different mountains and how their fates are. So one mountain being the nation of Edom. And Edom, Edom, that sounds like I'm making like a sound effect. Edom. 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 Anyway, oh, you got to eat a boat. Edom. Um, that was in the Jacob and Esau narrative. That was Esau's relatives. Um, it's grandkids, great-grandkids, his offspring, whatever you want to call it. Um, and Israel, obviously, is Jacob's offspring. Um, and part of the problem is that Edom and uh, Israel did not like each other very much at all. And when other nations are coming in to conquer Israel, Edom would literally hunt them down and turn them over to the other nations, the Israelites. So they would, you know, find them and give them to the Babylonians or whoever happened to be attacking at the moment. So they're basically selling out their blood, uh, which in Leviticus, they were told, Israel was told, don't have any strife with Edom, leave them be. And Edom was like, ha, we're going to take that weakness, quote unquote, and turn it into a bounty and sell you out because we want your land, even though that land wasn't promised to them. And if we're going to see restoration, you're going to see some restoration of the land as well, or or, or where the covenant ended up happening. And so this is where God is, I guess, readdressing the land, maybe? Yeah, we, I have a lot of notes on that for the next chapter Okay, um, oh, yeah, on what God's doing with the land. Um, in the early part of this chapter, he talks about in verse, I need my glasses, verse five at the end, he says, at the time of their final punishment, um, which is essentially God saying when the, the Hebrew would indicate when the punishment equals its peak. So like, it's once again, a pretty rough picture for Edom. Yeah. It's not going to end well. They basically come in and try to take something that's God's. And we go back to the divine landlord. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you listen to our Deuteronomy episodes, you'll hear us talk about that a lot. It's God's land. He's giving it to his people to use, but they have to follow his divine ordinances in order to inhabit the land. And Edom is basically like that family member that's estranged that decides to come over and kick the door down and say they're going to live in your basement now, whether you want them to or not. And while they're there, you can't be in the house. Hmm. And then God, the landlord, comes by and says, wait a minute, you're not paying me rent. You're not on this lease. You got to get out. And But it's a little more violent than that. Yeah. Obviously, it's full of calamity, enmity. No, wait. Calamity and desolation. <laughs> Lots of desolation. Yeah. I think I read that multiple times. Desolation. The desolation of smog. Is that the hobbit? Oh, desolation, desolation. That's what I read. And laid waste. I think waste. Yes, waste. Not waste. poopy waste, but waste, waste. All right. So I really didn't have too much more with 35 in all honesty. I think it's kind of a precursor to what we're going to get in in 36, mm-hmm. um, where you have to address those that are currently inhabiting the land. And then God's going to then address the land from there. Now, I'll say one really quick thing before we get to 36. One last thing about Edom is um, when you go down to verse 13. Um, he says, and you magnified yourselves against me with your mouth and multiplied your words against me. I heard it. Basically, when they came into the land, they also like cursed God while they were there and said that like basically like, oh, the God of Israel is abandoning his 
peeps and maybe he wasn't is like loving to them and they're smearing his reputation essentially Mm -hmm. and that's another reason why he's going after edom so it's not just that they're taking the land but when they go into the land they're also coming in and being mouthy and blasphemous Mm -hmm. and god ain't having any of that yep so see it esau edom yep you'll be rolling in your grave all right so 36 um one through seven or one through 15. Hold on. Oh. Uh, go start with one through seven. I'm trying to. My daughter sent me a text. Oh, she wants to audition. Never mind. I thought it was something important. Oh. I mean, it is important, but it's not. Some My wife will probably text seven times now, so I should move that away from the microphone. Okay. I'm on group text with the kids. Okay. Oh, is that good or bad? It's good 72% of the time. Okay. All right. You made it so I can't do the rest of the math. Yeah, the rest of the time. 28%. Yep. It's not always fun. All right. All right. So one through seven. Seven Seven should be good. Let's start there. Chapter 36. uh, Yeah, seven's great. Okay. And you, son of man, prophesy to the mountains of Israel and say, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, because the enemy said of you, Ah, and the ancient heights have become our possession. Therefore prophesy and say, Thus says the Lord God, precisely because they made you desolate and crushed you from all sides, so that you became the possession of the rest of the nations, and you became the talk and evil gossip of the people. Therefore, O mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to the mountains and the hills, the ravines and the valleys, the desolate wastes and the deserted cities, which have become prey and derision to the rest of the nations all around. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Surely I have spoken in my hot jealousy against the rest of the nations and against all Edom, who gave my land to themselves as a possession with a wholehearted joy and utter contempt that they might make it its pasture lands of prey. Therefore prophesy concerning the land of Israel and say to the mountains and hills of the ravines and valleys, thus says the Lord God, behold, I have spoken in my jealous wrath because you have suffered the reproach of the nations. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, I swear that the nations that are all around you shall themselves suffer reproach. Yeah, fun. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, we see an expansion. Uh, So it's not just Edom that's about to get their... uh, lunch fed to them it's other nations around them that are doing similar things they're taking advantage of israel and trying to take the land that's not rightfully theirs and god's like hold up so yeah and when we hear this son of man prophesy that's not necessarily something they should be looking forward to um we're getting ready for a nice little message of judgment um, through, I mean, at least through part of that. So you, you really don't want to be on the receiving a- end of, of the, yes, uh, of what kind of what's going on on part of that. So what's interesting here is that in most cases, I mean, we had to go through a lot of chapters, but those chapter markings are not necessarily, um, obviously, they weren't on the, the ancient Ezekiel scroll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um But the typical pattern we see in the Old Testament is judgment, blessing, judgment, blessing. And it was getting really bleak for us for a while because we were seeing judgment, 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 judgment. And then we were seeing judgment on other nations. (laughs) Lots of judgment, yes. Um, But what we're going to see here is we're going to see over the last couple of chapters, we've seen more 
blessing. Mm -hmm. But this is really like one of the last blocks of judgment, but it's not against Israel. It's against those that are attacking Israel. And this is where we start to really see the redemption arc. Yeah. So this is where we're going to start seeing Israel's restoration. So up to this point, that judgment has been against Israel. Mm -hmm. Now, for once, we have these oracles that are no longer against Israel, but actually going to start really as the introduction and the beginning of the restoration of Israel. Um, And God is going to address the mountains, the hills, ravines, valleys, all of those things that he addressed previously in Ezekiel. He's going to readdress, but from a more of a restorative standpoint Mm -hmm. um, than from a judgment standpoint. Yeah, he's not laying waste to them, making the mountains fall down on the people and crush them and like, you know, making the deserts a land of parched. As a matter of fact, spoiler, the restoration is going to be more magnificent than the destruction. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those we're going to start seeing so that you may so that you will know that I'm the Lord. That's not going to necessarily come from a um, a wrath, destructive type of standpoint anymore. We're going to start seeing it from a restorative standpoint where mm-hmm. they're going to start seeing God's blessing, God restoring. And once again, we're still going to have so that you will know that I'm the Lord. But it's going to be much more happy so that you know that I'm the Lord um, as opposed to every time we saw it, or many of the times that we saw it in the past. There is an interlude. That's true. But we'll get to that. Yes. <laughs> so do you want to do 8 through 15? I can, yep. We're making great. Let's see what the time looks like. We're making great. Oh, yeah, we're doing... If we get through this, we'll be perfectly good. <clears throat> um, I have hope. So 8 through 15? 15? Yeah. Yeah. But you, O mountains of Israel, shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people Israel, for they will soon become, or they will soon come home. For behold, I am for you, and I will turn to you, and you shall be tilled and sown, and I will multiply people on you, the whole house of Israel of it. Hold on, all of it. (coughs) Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, I'm gonna look at the sign wave at this. What would happen in that (laughs) section? All right, uh, I don't know where I left off. Um, sorry, I had a sneeze coming. And uh, start with eleven, no, ten, ten, and ten. Yeah, start with ten. You reread ten and go from there. All right. Uh, um, and I will multiply people oh. on you, the whole house of Israel, all of it, and the then finish ten. C- the city shall be inhabited, and the waste places rebuilt. And I will multiply on you man and beast, and they shall multiply and be fruitful. And I will cause you to be inhabited as in your former times. And will do more good to you than ever before. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Ooh, that was a happy one. I will let people walk on you, even my people Israel, and they shall possess you, and you shall be their inheritance, and you shall no longer bereave them of children. Thus says the Lord God, because they say to you, you devour people, and you bereave your children of children nation of children. Therefore, you shall no longer devour people and no longer bereave your nation of children. Bereave. Bereave. <laughs> declares the Lord God, and I will not let you hear any more the reproach of the nations, and you shall no longer bear the disgrace of the peoples and no longer cause your nation to stumble, declares the Lord God. So yeah, we see, especially when you get to um, 11 where it says, and we'll do more good to you than ever before. Yep. We start to see like the restoration and we see that Part of that caveat is you're no longer, and we'll talk about it more in the next section, but there was a lot of uh, infanticide uh, where they would sacrifice children to idols um, and stuff like that. But he's saying you're not going to do those horrible things anymore that make your children's children's children cry. 
um, that, that, uh, that tarnishes your reputation. And one thing that we got to remember, and I think we hit it a little more later. Did I make a... I don't think I made a note. But essentially, in the ancient Near East, um, your reputation was staked on how... The nation's reputation was staked on how your deity treated you. So if your God kicked you out of the land, you were an embarrassment and your God became an embarrassment. If your nation was thriving, your God was said to be the good one and the powerful one and so on. So there's a little bit of this like give and take in here as well, where what they're doing is not only embarrassing themselves but it's embarrassing god and then and the next part of ezekiel 36 is going to actually almost sound heartless um it's oh gosh i have so it's gonna i got notes oh, okay <laughs> it's gonna sound almost heartless but it's not quite as heartless as you might think and then god is going to then get back into more of a personal it's going to seem less heartless, um, but but it's it, it's going to yeah. go. It goes very much with what Don was just talking about. Yeah, with, God's going to say word for word. Yeah. What I um, basically. So basically, what what Don had just kind of spoiled. Good job. Well, I mean, like it's this. He sets it up though. He's yeah, like, he does. You you devour people and you bereave your nation of children. Therefore, you shall no longer devour. So yeah. this is kind of like I said. This is the setup for the next section, and we'll see. Like from now to the end of the chapter, it gets real deep. Yep. So fire went right. So 16 through 21? 16 through... Yeah, let's... Yes, that's where the majority of my notes are. Okay. So if we get through that, we'll get through the whole thing. <laughs> well, I don't know what your notes are like. Um. Yeah, well, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I think you have more notes after this I fact. I do, I think, yeah. I oh, would. yeah, because once you get to 22... Then I think I've got quite a bit of notes. I went full angry feminist on this and started researching. Okay. So. Oh, okay. I got a lot. So you never made it to 22 is what you're saying. No, no, I did. <laughs> um, one thing that I do want to point out is this is another point in Ezekiel. Uh, whatever this whole chapter actually, but especially like I think 18 verse 18. Um, he, the word is dung, poop. Mm-hmm. Um, so once again, he's calling them their... Uh, swear word sh gods oh wow that's awesome he's calling them their poopy gods right. <laughs> so um yeah just remember that when you hear that he, he says these are your he, he's basically saying for the poopy idols with which you defiled it so but it's a it's the word dung so you're dungy you're dung poop yeah but kind of a harsher word for poop then yeah but i according to one of the commentaries i wish i could remember which one they said that like basically every time the word idols is used uh-huh it's like ezekiel's favorite nickname for them Nuh-uh. so he's basically like every time we see idols it's like you're dung idols Nuh-uh. yeah oh i thought ezekiel was awesome i, I don't really like, it's like 30 some chapters into it but i think we talked about it before uh, yeah, but, but i didn't it, realize that like almost every instance in the book is like he's calling them their poop idols uh, so almost every time it's poop idols then yeah oh that's poop, great poopy gods all right Next time I get in trouble for cussing in church. Talk about Ezekiel. I, it, I'm kidding. I want to say that we have proof that he's swearing, uh-huh. but he's definitely painting a poopy picture. Right. Well, but I, I will. I would if I was talking to a group of guys not on a podcast. Absolutely. Like, hey guys, guess what? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, but but you got to think of harsh words within a culture. So oh yeah, right. I, I mean, mean you, feces was one of the things would defile you, right? Because so. you you can use the sh, but the thing is, is that it's not always necessarily a swear word depending on context and how you use it, but it is right. a very harsh word for for poop, which if you're thinking in that context could could potentially fit. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, all right, 16 <laughs> through 21. 21. Yeah. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and their deeds. Their ways before me were like the uncleanliness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. Oh, I've got something good on that. So, so I. I poured out my <laughs> wrath upon them for the blood that they had shed in the land, for the idols with which they had defiled it. I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed through the countries. In accordance with their ways and their deeds, I judged them. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. And in that, in that people said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of, the, of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. Yeah. Do you want to go first? You go for it. Okay. You, yeah. All right. So um, I was a little bit like, man, that's a unfair picture. Um, and I could see how... In our current day and age, um, this passage could be used by jerk faces to isolate women um, and to say, look, you're the problem and you're used as the picture of the problem. And I know that there are guys out there that men out there that do that on a national level. And so I was like, I need to know if I was reading this with an unbelieving woman next to me. And this got to her. What does this mean? Hmm. So, because like, like I said, it just seemed like it was almost unfair. And I, like, I know that there are once again <clears throat> on a national level, there are men that have the pulpit or a microphone that would they have, would turn this section and say, "Look, women are the problem," kind of thing. So I like, mm-hmm. I was like, we know, you know, I know, most of our listeners probably know that this is God painting a picture of a ceremonial uncleanliness. So I started to dig in. Um, One of the things uh, that came out of this study is from commentaries. And one of them is something that I pieced together myself, but I'm not a PhD. Mm -hmm. So I will separate that when I get to it. Okay. The first one that I got from the commentary was that the picture being painted here is of somebody who was very easy, uh, easily known to have come into contact with the realm of death. When you had feces, blood, uh, pus, rashes, etc., you had fluids that were coming out of your body that were symbolic of destruction and death and so on. And these fluids made you unclean. This also goes for like semen as well for men. So it's just, it's not any different. However, it was in the Levitical laws that women were to stay outside of the camp until they were done having contact with um, 
basically with something that represented lifeblood being ex- expelled with death, with the menstrual imperi- impurity. Um, this picture is showing that Israel was coming before God in ceremonially unclean. And by doing so, they were also making the land ceremonially unclean. And that's why God had to extract his judgment on it. He had to basically ceremonially clean the person, the people, the group, and the land. Hmm. Um, The picture painted is not sexist. It's not, look at what women have done. They've led to the destruction. It's just that it's a picture of somebody that would later represent Christ's bride, which is another image that we use for that. Hmm. What I put together, as far as I know, there's not a PhD out there (laughs) um, that would support this unless you read somebody different and they say the same thing I did. In that case, I'm a genius Mm -hmm. and I need to write a book about this. Um, And I don't think that's going to be the case. The defilement discussed in the chapter uh, in verse 16 says, Son of man, when the house of Israel lived in their own land, they defiled it by their ways and deeds. Um, This is talking about child sacrifice to Marduk, among other like Molech-like gods, stuff like that. The fertility of a woman is represented through menstruation. Mm -hmm. They were defiling life and that's kind of like point one this is connected to like cycle like female cycle Mm -hmm. (laughs) um which kind of relates the two together so Mm -hmm. we're kind of drawing a bond between them um israel would then have to oh i talked about like step outside the camp but uh, let me see my notes are really a mess Oh, no, that's a different note. Um, basically, there's like the the line connecting the defilement of child sacrifice and then like the women's menstruation hmm. um, was kind of like my where I kind of started to draw the initial line. Yeah. Um, but I do like the ceremonial uncleanliness. So I feel like I kind of butchered it. My notes, like, I feel like read better than what I read them out loud. So Chris Wright um, <laughs> took it this way. Yeah, let's um, see what Chris had to say. So, okay, and, and I'm going to kind of read slash paraphrase some of the the points that he made um because the thing is is i think he did it well so like i don't want to botch it up by being scott um so he basically says that in the in the priestly worldview the ultimate source of uncleanliness was death um by extension contact with blood was ritually defying because the life of a creature is in the blood right um we see that in in leviticus we see that in genesis Um, So a woman's menstrual period, according to Leviticus, um, was a time of impurity. But the holiness code takes this further. Um, And in Leviticus 18, you also see where where, uh, it kind of groups sex with a woman during her menstrual period together with other detestable things um, that had prompted the the land to vomit out um, its former inhabitants. But Ezekiel imagines Israel as a menstruating woman who passes her uncleanliness to whatever she touches and with whom her husband, that is the Lord, can have no intimate relationship. 
Um, the Jewish commentator Kamichi observed this simile, simile also expresses hope for Israel's future. Israel is compared in her sinful state to a menstruant. Uh, a, a, men, a woman going through menstruation um, <laughs> whose husband puts her away all the days of her impurity but draws her near once she becomes pure. And I was like, huh, interesting. Yeah, that's where I was trying to say the original uh, commentator had said, like basically like by her being in the land, she was making it impure and got yeah. to cleanse the land as well Yeah, while waiting for the ceremonial... Yeah. And and so so then, I mean, not to spoil it too much, then the next section is when, when God's going to put his spirit within them and, and change their heart. And mm-hmm. um, and and so I don't know, I thought that was I'd never necessarily heard it that way. Um, and I thought that was just kind of an interesting perspective. Um, yeah, my my whole goal is to try and once again to stab chauvinistic men oh yeah yeah there is no yeah because i i just like so there's a there's a guy i don't want to give his name because i don't want anyone looking him up and finding that they like something he said but he's kind of big right now Mm -hmm. in certain circles yeah and he's he makes comments like this and he goes through scripture and tears out pieces like this to lower women and i'm like this is not what's happening at all this is a a picture painted Mm -hmm. um yeah, Wright does it better. Than, I, yeah. probably, I probably shouldn't have taken those. I probably should have just read it straight out. Because well, I saw it as a beautiful picture of relationship. Um, it was a beautiful picture of um, during that time of impurity. And we really see that throughout. I mean, it's, it's pretty much the Old Testament message. Like, God is holy. Like, he can't be with not holy. And, and he sees his bride. He loves his bride. And he doesn't, even in this time of Ezekiel 1 through 33-ish, you see that this wrath and, and all of this and, and, and God, really, you, you do see some of that upset and, and that, that pushing Israel away. But, but it's only for a short time. It's only during that time of impurity but then draws her near once she becomes pure. And it's like, oh, you know, that's, that's, that's God's loving. I mean, God never get, I mean, even if you apply that to, to today's world, like God's never going to push us away. Mm-hmm. There's going to be those times when we might feel like we're further from God. Um, but the reality of it is, is there's those times where he might, I don't want to say push us away, but um how do I explain it? Well, so the one that one of the commentators I read said like that Israel should know that during this time of uncleanliness they need to step outside the camp. Yeah, and it, it, there's a time when we know that we're not yeah where we're supposed to be. We need to step outside the camp and allow basically the next section to happen. Yeah, and then once the next section happens. He draws her near once she becomes pure. And I was like, oh, you know, yeah. God never fully casts us away. There are those times that we're going to have that that time. of. I guess we got to step out the side of the camp. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then he's going to draw us near once again. And, and, and this comes down to the Pauline idea of should I sin more so the grace increases? Uh, and by all means, no. Yeah. Paul. But this is essentially kind of similar yeah that's we we our sin is when we're stepping outside the camp Mm -hmm. and then god cleans us and draws us ever more closer yeah Yeah. and there's plenty of times where i need to go through that time because i need some heart surgery um spoilers he didn't didn't do heart surgery he gave him a new heart (laughs) that's Um, that's surgery 
that, that's fair. That's a, that is a big surgeon. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's, yeah. And sometimes I don't even know it until after it's already happened. And I was like, Ooh, I needed that. But then I feel so much closer to God after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, like, I guess maybe if you're thinking even from a marriage perspective, um, even now, like if you're thinking of that time of, of, of separation where you don't have that deep intimacy with your wife during that time, that menstrual time, and then you finally get the opportunity to come back together afterwards, it's, it's, it's that, re, that re-bringing back together in that intimate part of your relationship that... Um, is enjoyed and and looked forward to, if that makes any sense. Yes. I pressed the button. Everything disappeared. Oh, okay. He started yelling at his uh, iPad. It's like, no! (laughs) I didn't yell at my PC. Um, Yet. (laughs) All right, so I think we can do it. Can you finish out the chapter? I can. It's a long read, but I think you can do it. All right. We're getting, we're getting close to time. <laughs> therefore, say to the house... Uh, 22. All right, therefore, say to the house of, of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before your eyes or their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your land, your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all of your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God and I will deliver you from all your uncleanliness and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. I will make the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field abundant that you may never again suffer the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that you were not good and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that... Uh, you will lose your spot Um, and you will loathe yourselves for your iniquities and your abominations. It is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, on that day, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will cause the cities to be inhabited and the waste places shall be rebuilt and the land that will, was desolate shall be tilled instead of being the desolation that it was in, in the sight of all who pass by. And they will say the land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations that are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord and I have rebuilt the ruined places and replanted that which was desolate. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Thus says the Lord God, this also I will let the house of Israel ask me to do for them to increase their people like a flock, like the flock for sacrifices, like the flock at Jerusalem during her appointed feast. So shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. All right. So what you got for that? Um, not a whole lot. Um, basically, the biggest part that I have is up at the kind of at the beginning. Um, 
he's he starts out with uh, I will sprinkle you clean. Do I speak him? Can I try it again? I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols, dung idols. I will cleanse you. Um, with that, that sounds great, right? Man, mm-hmm. you get a bath and you get all the the dungy idols off of you. Um, but then he goes on because just the sprinkling with water, just that initial outward cleanliness, that is not enough. Hmm. It takes that heart change. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove your heart of stone. Sorry. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And then I'll put my spirit in you. It's it's not enough just to clean up your outside appearances. You also have to clean up that inward. And that's hmm. something that only God can do. It's not something that we can do. So... <laughs> Um, I liked how he addressed the idea of, um, I guess, I guess in order for for true restoration happens to happen, there's got to be a radical change of the heart. Um, and I liked in Ezekiel, what is it, thirty six, twenty six through twenty seven, um, he talks about this idea, and uh, or Christopher Wright talks about the, the terms, the two terms, heart, leb, and the spirit, ra describe the inner human person. Um, according to, to Christopher Wright, the Hebrew idiom, the heart is the fo- the locus of the mind, not primarily of the emotions. Um, a lot of times we kind of think about, oh, the heart is the emotions. We don't want to go, oh, my heart. And you're like, ooh, his, his thought. Um, but um, I just lost. Okay. So it is the heart that, where it is with the heart of the person thinks, decides, and wills. The spirit, however, reflects the inner feelings and aspirations of the person. Um, I, I think that's usually when we think heart. Um, spirit here is kind of what we're referred to heart, but heart is more your intellect. Um, and so the spirit reflects the inner feelings and aspirations of the person. Again, not merely in the sense of emotions, but in terms of the attitude, disposition, and motivation which one brings to choices and actions. So these two terms together are closely related. They're not identical. Um, but Israel will have to think differently and feel differently. Their, uh, their whole inner world needs to be transformed. And then the great part is, as he continues to go on, it's not like, we have to do this on our own because we've seen how Israel sucked at that so far. Um, they obviously haven't been able to do it over and over through the Old Testament. What we see where, where they're they're struggling to be able to pull it off. And then he ends up putting their, his spirit into them. So it's not that they have to obey. It's not that they have to obey um, or any of those things on their own. But they've got the spirit of God to really help them um, obey and to walk in God's statues and with his commands. Um, and so you see kind of like um, he puts it as it, it's not just like the, the Deuteronomy perspective of a circumcised heart. It's like a whole new heart that, that, that God is placing with his, in Israel to be able to fulfill and be the people that God wants them to be. To, they've got the spirit of God now inside of them so that they can think and feel differently. Um, and I know like as I was studying, it was it, it was a beautiful picture of being able to see how restoration um, happens with, with the spirit of God really helping and moving and, 
and really making you think and live differently. And you look at the world and the culture around you and you even, I mean, I even think back to the times that I try to be a good Christian or I try and do what's right or I try and follow God's commands and the amount of times that I fail and that I can't really accomplish it. But God gives us his spirit, which allows us to be able to genuinely have a different mindset, a different way of thinking. I know my kids like to call it the upside down kingdom. And I don't know where we heard that from, but it's just like we're living in that, heard, yeah, heard that. that upside down kingdom. We're, we're living differently and we see how the world lives, but, but our hearts and our minds think and feel differently. And so it was kind of a fun thing to, to really think through as you realize, all right, God's put that new heart and we have his spirit. And and I don't know, you know, whether this is a prophetic word, whether I don't know if this is happening right here in Ezekiel 36 necessarily, but I think we definitely see the fulfillment of that when you see Jesus and then you see the Holy Spirit in Acts and, and you see this genuinely become a reality in God's people as the church is called to action and to live and the power and the strength of his spirit. Um, as we move into at least the New Testament church. Um, well, there, so uh, some scholars argue that verse 30, man, I really can't believe I need glasses. It's bad. Um, 35, uh, where he says, this land was desolate and became like the Garden of Eden and the mm. waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. That, that is prophetic because that's not happened. Right. Um, so that is post-messianic yeah um okay so you're thinking even garden of eden potentially in revelation then yeah i'm thinking that's like um the land was desolate and has become like the garden of Mm. eden um and the waste and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited um so yeah i think that's i think that's even still future i think that this is I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about like the views of Israel is, is the church Israel is the church replaced Israel is so I, like I could probably have a conversation about it, but I don't think I could be authoritative on it. Um, but if we're to say that the church has replaced Israel um, or that like we are side by side with, yeah, whatever you guys can fight about that. Mm-hmm. Um then this section really is showing what's going on presently. And then we go down to the end of the chapter and we're getting future. Mm-hmm. So, and I like, because I think we see more messianic and post messianic promise coming in 37 as that well. That is definitely true. Yeah. So that's, that's why I could say contextually, I think this is to come okay. or is here now. Right. But also to come. Yeah. And, and absolutely. I actually just got this awesome book. You ran away to get it. That I haven't started reading yet. Um, but it is called? Jeopardy music. Do, do, do. You literally just ran out of the room, guys. So the Bacash podcast is now a solo. Va- oh, wait, he's back. <laughs> the temple and the church's mission as it takes oh, you. Oh, yeah, you're asking me about. Yeah. Yes. As it t- it's supposed to take you, and I haven't fully read who's it. The, I'm, I'm the, still. Who's the author? Uh, G.K. Beale. That sounds familiar. Um, the editor, the series editor is D.A. Carson. Oh, Donald Carson. Um, good name. And and so he's supposed to go through. Carson's um, a good dude. I got some other he, books by him. And he's supposed to go through the the temple. Um, and he starts out in the book of Revelation. And, and he's going to make the argument, according to 
the introduction of how the temple of God um, from the beginning in the garden and how it goes through um, the Old Testament into the New Testament and Acts and then into Revelation. I was like, ooh, so very excited about reading it. But B.A. Southern Methodist University, M.A. Southern Methodist University, Master's in Theology, Dallas Theological Seminary, Ph.D., University of Cambridge, He's probably a smart guy. Okay. You might have some, you know. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. His thesis, the use of Daniel in Jewish apocalyptic literature and in the revelation of St. John. <laughs> I kind of want to read that. <laughs> that book? Um, yeah. Oh, he taught at Reformed Theological where D.A. Carson. Oh, okay. No, D.A. Carson. Was it a, he wasn't Reformed. Where was he? He's the one in St. Louis and I can't think of the name of it. Anyway, D.A. Carson's got a lot of great books. Okay. Great, okay. great guy. So I'm looking forward to reading it. And I, and I recognize the name. I, I didn't I didn't know a ton about him, but I was like, I recognize the name. And trying to find a lot about it, the Temple of God um, and books on that that take you throughout the history of it, throughout Scripture, there's not a lot of them that I could find. I would say from now on, um, look at IVP. Because mm-hmm. their InterVarsity Press um, is more likely to have stuff like that than okay. maybe... Part of Zondervan, yes, but not all of Zondervan. Oh, IVP. Yep. Well, how um, how how awesome am I? Just going. And that's stop, that's two times. Yeah. Well, do you remember what happened about people that thought they were awesome in Ezekiel? Um, but anyway, I am awesome. I boast in. Uh, right. Yeah, you're, you're in trouble. Um, <laughs> so, and then you get into the part where you might think, okay, well, God is harsh. Um, it is not for your sake that I will act, declares the Lord God. Let that be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your ways, O house of Israel. It's like, ouch, that hurts. You, you yeah. You're not doing it for me. But really, if you look at it, the history of God's people from the very beginning, they are supposed to act and live differently so that they see who God is. We see in like Revelation, this idea of, of, of witness. And I think we always get this idea of, I'm going to be a witness. Well, what does that mean? And a lot of times people say, we're going to witness. And that means I'm going to tell them about Jesus. But the reality of it is, is Jesus is the one that's on trial. And we are to be a witness of his goodness and his greatness. Mm. And so really, when you're looking at the Old Testament, um, they are to be a witness of God's greatness and God's goodness. And so so really, if, if they're doing detestable things with their poop idols, then, then really the rest of the world isn't seeing our God Yahweh as being someone great. In fact, he's just an ordinary God like every other, and he's God's like, I can't have that. And so he's doing it for his name's sake. Um, and um, be ashamed and confounded for your ways. Well, you know, if, if we're ashamed of the previous, the previous way that we used to live, can we find that much more joy in the grace of what he's done? Um, I know I got in trouble in church a couple months ago because I utilized aspects of Ezekiel and I had mentioned something about really being messed up. and, and Not I, the poop idols. Not the poop idols. Worse. Yes. <laughs> uh, I might have used... Or, Yes. So utilizing words that, that would fit with some of the horror type of, when I say horror, I mean prostitute type of imagery found earlier in Ezekiel when it compares to our sin. 
And the reality of it is, is if we see our sin that bad and we're ashamed of our sin and where we've been, when God puts that new heart and that new spirit into us, then we find that much more joy in God's grace and God's mercy. And we're going to see that as we move into 37, where we're really going to see God transform his people. And how much greater is that going to be because of Ezekiel chapters 1 through 32, when they were really messed up. Um, And it is for God's namesake that that this is going to go ahead and happen. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another part that, oh, And so then it's like even, okay, so then it comes down to, I thought about as I was reading through this, the way that I live. And in so many times, I think I get stuck on it's about me, 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 me. And the reality of it is, is it's not about me at all, but it's all about the way that I am a witness of God's goodness and God's faithfulness and God's grace and mercy. And so it's for his name's sake that I wake up in the morning, that I go to work, that I talk with people, that I listen, um, that my heart and my actions are different because the spirit of God is within me. And so it's been fun to to remember that it is actually for God's name's sake that that he has rescued me. Yes, he loves me. Yes, he sees me as his bride. Yes, he desires a deep, intimate relationship with me. But the reality of it is, is pretty much everything that I do is for, for so that God's goodness will be seen throughout the world so that they can also have that same opportunity to be in that intimate relationship with a God that can drastically transform them and also their hearts and so that they can live with their the spirit of God also in them and see how good and great that is. Um, so I thought this was a powerful, just amazingly powerful text, um, just as I was able to just really get into the heart of what God is doing in Israel and how God still continues to do that in our own lives if we really follow the path of Ezekiel and see how it applies to to us and our own salvation story again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. All I got. He just preached this sermon. That's all he's got. That's all he's got. Oops. I got to quit in the microphone. I got to get used to this chair. Yeah. It's only been three weeks. Yeah, it's, gonna be, it's been a while. Oh, we over? Yeah, we over, but okay. that's all right. That's all right. I won't cut any of it, so we're fine. All right. Good deal. I'm a great editor. Absolutely. Um, not at all. All right. But yeah. Uh, so next time we're going to continue with this wonder, actually the rest of the book outside of the the Gog and Magog part mm-hmm. um, is pretty much positive. So yeah. we will continue on and highly encourage you read Ezekiel 37. Another beautiful, like another amazing yeah. passage. Like I, I, I was, there were a couple weeks where I couldn't stop reading Ezekiel because I was like, this is too good. I can't stop. Yeah. I, I kind of started judges, but anyway, <laughs> um, no comment. I need to get to judges. Yeah, it's great stuff. But we're in the happy part right now. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I just had time over the week. Okay. The we, I won't tell you what the break was because by the time you hear this, it won't be that break anymore. Because the Fourth of July break is really big, yeah, one, right? Fourth of July, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, and it's much. You, you wore a hoodie and a winter coat and was stuck inside the entire 
Fourth of July break. Correct? Yeah, so weird. You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they, they do have Christmas in July. That's a thing. That's a horrible thing. I think. I don't know. That's <laughs> anyway. All right. Cool. All right. Bye. Bye.